I'm Ashley. And I'm Alicia. And we are Murd Nerds. Hello and good day to our Murd Nerd Herd. <laughs> I'm workshopping it. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Murd nerd herd is that too many erds? Uh, uh, turd bird nerd murd nerd turds. No, okay, sorry. No, Jerry, Jay says no, absolutely not. Listen, the voice of reason says don't call your listeners turds. <laughs> <laughs> I call everybody turds. unless they want it. If they want it, that's totally different. Do you want to be a turd? Murdnerds at gmail dot com. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We are the Murd Nerds. You are the Murd Nerds. This is Alicia to my right. And Jeremy to my front. <laughs> is that weird to say? Might, it might be a little, um, yeah, it'll be all right. Anyway. Better you're back. How you guys doing? Good? We're you good? doing wonderful. Are we good? We've hit that point in recording um, so late that we've gotten a little goofy. It's so late. I'm always I want to eat goofy. my soup. <laughs> okay. I well, tell eat. us a story and then you can eat your soup. Yeah, I should have eaten my soup um, uh, while we were talking that entire time about that entire story just now for like 45 minutes yeah. without recording anything. <laughs> Jeremy told the best story and you guys will never, ever know what it's about. We'll never tell. But it was a very good story. Way to go, Jay. Hey, thanks. Okay, I have a weird story. Okay. So, I was walking Shaka the other night, and I saw something move out of the corner of my eye. First, I was like, okay, it's a squirrel that jumped off the porch to bolt for the trees, like when it heard us walking up. Mm -hmm. No. It was a cute little cat. Okay. Okay, little tiger print cat. It looked, like, pretty well-fed and well-groomed. So, usually when Shaka and I walk by, cats will, like, freeze up and just kind of watch us and pray that Shaka doesn't see them and like honestly 90% of the time she doesn't mm -hmm. um, but this cat jumped off the porch and then like paused and then started like stalking towards us oh. I was like no kitty don't do that I was like scared like Shaka was gonna chase it or and like fucking rip my hand off I don't know so anyway this cat stalked us like you know what I mean by yeah, stalk, right? Get belly to the ground, right? Butt in the air for an entire block. Oh my gosh! I was so nervous. I was scared. What'd you say? What? <laughs> what I said? <laughs> belly to the ground, butt in the air. Oh yeah, face down, face down, booty down up. ass up. <laughs> so <clears throat> I was scared it wanted to attack us. Like it was trying Naturally, to like, be yeah. hard. Like I don't know. So I watched it until we turned the corner and then turned around another corner. It sat at the edge uh, until it was protecting. We turned that second corner, protecting its block. Yeah, that's weird. Do you have a ninja sword too? Maybe a little bandana. <laughs> said, "Don't come around these parts no more again." No, you know what you should have said. No kitty, bad kitty. <laughs> I did say no kitty. <laughs> I was so focused on this cat. Like, I was not taking my eyes off of it. I was literally walking with my head craned all the way backwards. Like, oh my God, this cat. Oh my God. So and Chaka didn't us. give a fuck. She didn't even see it. She didn't see it one fucking time. She didn't even see it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Ashley's really worked up. About Sorry. I wish. I hope that somebody saw her doing that. Oh my god! And got it and on there's video. No, and there's no cat. It was nighttime. It was nighttime. So what if it wasn't a cat? There what if was it was a, a raccoon? Cat. I made eye contact with the adorable kitty. It was there. What if it was a raccoon though? I know what a raccoon looks like. Because raccoons, I would have ran if it was a raccoon. They're short. They're low to the ground. They have pointy faces. So do cats. Not that pointy. I think you need your eyes checked. I think you need your eyes checked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You like that? You like really how that gave feels? it to me. feel? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. So I opened this episode with a shit show. No. With We <laughs> Are the Murderers. So, but what does that actually mean? We this are a the, philosophical episode. We, this is the question of the week. Are you ready? <clears throat> what does being a murd nerd mean to you? <laughs> what does this mean to you? Why are you here? What are you doing? What are you doing? I can go, mine's pre-written. I can go first. <laughs> so I don't give a shit. <laughs> I had time to plan. Well, I can't plan for a question I don't know. Yeah, that's the point of the question, Ashley. Spontaneity. I don't pick the question when we walk in the studio. (laughs) Oh, I was like, what are you talking about? Is that what you guys have been doing? Like, I got mine (laughs) pre-planned. Like, we can. It's true. Uh, Yeah, we can't. Jay, you go first. You're the... Yeah, it's a little... It's kind of a deep one. The newest murd nerd... Well, that's true. Although, you know, I am a year old with you guys, so, you know. Yeah, you're, but you're the freshest in Merton. What? It was like to the day almost. What? When is it? Oh, yeah. It was like uh, the time of this recording. It was like two days ago, a year ago, that we, that guys we recorded for this? the first time. For the first time. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, see, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Merton for a whole year, kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did record probably the best episode to murder. Oh, ever my God. <laughs> I never should have told you that Jason said that. <laughs> Look what you've done, Jason. <sighs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. High five through the. <laughs> anyway, no. uh, what does it mean for me? I, I You know, I guess I kind of got I kind of got roped into this to start off. I mean, you know. And, and you roped us. Sky, well, Skylar kind of volunteered <laughs> you. Is kind of what it feel, what it seemed like. It was perfect for me because I wanted to get into podcasting, and this was perfect. You guys were, uh, you know, already kind of started. Had a had a idea how to Very go. Very badly starting. And yes. you know, true crime is definitely uh, you know a forefront in in podcasting world. Mm-hmm. So I was happy to be a part of it. Going, you know, starting off and. Um, I think we've made large strides with a lot of different, a lot of different things, but yeah, I think it means, it means the world to me to be here with you guys and doing this and, uh, hopefully someday I can actually get on the fucking sticker. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for me, being a murderer means a lot of anxiety and a lot of, uh, Mm -hmm. what was that? In the middle of the night, and a lot of uh, so, like on a more personal level for you, yeah, because we were murder nerds before we were murder nerds. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. true crime aficionado. We were murder nerds before the herd. <laughs> <laughs> 
she totally went into rapper mode on that guy. You don't even understand. She's got the backwards hat on. She dropped the like the 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 three finger gun down. <laughs> uh, what well, did I really do that? Okay, we can go back and take a look. Roll the tape. Roll the tape. What does being a murderer mean to you, Ashley? Well, let me tell you off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, it's all about like awareness and safety. So, I can't believe how oblivious I was to like simple dangers before like we jumped on this true crime boat, you know? I can remember You should never jump on a boat. That was the first simple danger that you <laughs> I'm on a boat. <laughs> I can remember the My moment. <laughs> fucking interrupting my goddamn monologue. No. Okay. Oh, man. We're in for the long haul. So, okay. I really can remember the moment when I had the realization of how important it is for everyone, for everyone, but on a more personal level and more specifically women to be aware, like of things of this nature of true crime of what we do like the stories that we tell when we started this podcast <clears throat> what when we started this podcast you had that realization or to take a while? I'm about to tell you well no because I have <laughs> I have something I need to say okay go ahead how many fucking times did I have to tell you why is your door unlocked <laughs> do you want to be on this on the podcast as a it, case it was actually it was well, I can't say this year because it's 2023 now, but it was it was in 2022. Like it was recent. It mm -hmm. wasn't like you know. Mm -hmm. Okay, do you lock wanna, your fucking door. Do, my door's always locked now. Okay, God, I don't wear pants at my apartment. <laughs> I have no to lock pants the fucking apartment. door because otherwise Nina'll just walk in on me with no pants on. It's <laughs> <laughs> my rant. Okay. Did that happen and this is why this is coming up? Um, <laughs> I don't know that she's ever actually walked in on me with no pants. Okay. So. <laughs> I can't for the life of me remember where I heard or read this, but I'm pretty sure it was a meme on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was referring to men and it said something along the lines of like, I wonder what it's like to not be afraid of being murdered every second of your life. And it was like, huh, like not everybody feels like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I always feel like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's, you know, you're always overanalyzing, scanning your surroundings, mostly people, the people around you for like potential danger. It's like if there's a man walking anywhere near where I am, best believe I see you and I am watching you mm -hmm. and I will watch you until I can't see you anymore, I guess. Yeah. So the moral of that story is if you want to attack me at night, throw a cat off of a porch <laughs> <laughs> and I will watch that cat until I can't see the cat anymore and you will be able to Speak kidnap or it. kill Speak me if you want I don't know that the I don't know that it's all the women thing anymore. I mean, I think a lot of men are kind of that same way. I know that since oh. I've been involved in in the murder nerds and listening to a lot of true crime content, I tend to be more alert to my surroundings now too. Smart, mm -hmm. smart, yeah. So, like I was saying, I know my purpose here is again more personally geared towards women. 
This week, we're going to talk about an abused man. You're welcome. Thank you. Is that at the same time? So, this is a weird thing that seems to go relatively unnoticed. And the statistics, wherever they are, may be low for abused men in relation to women. When you're dealing with percentages, the real numbers are still, like, heart-wrenchingly big. Yes. You know? Um, when I was looking up stats, Google even said, do you mean abused women? Oh, wow. Right? I searched men and it said, do you mean women? I was like, oh, shit, man. Even Google's like, nah. <laughs> you didn't mean that. You didn't so, Google it. You <clears throat> Googled it. Goob. I Googled it. So let's check out a couple of stats really quickly here before we start. So do you guys want to play a fun game? Yes. Is it fun? It's not. Um, any guesses on the male population of the United States as of 2020? No cheating. Don't um, <clears throat> One. This is really going to this is really going to uh, show how educated we all are. I would not have been able to guess and even I wouldn't even be able to ballpark it. Because I don't know the population. Like, I didn't know the population. Do you know the population now? Yes. Don't tell me. Well, I won't tell you because it's like 50% of that, obviously. 600 million. Okay. higher. I think, uh, I was thinking that the population is, is it 330 million people? So, I want to go with, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, uh, 180. 80 million. Jeremy, you are like so fucking close. It's not even funny. Okay. So. See, I'm a badass. You are a badass. Like a um, I didn't, I didn't write down. I, I meant to, but I didn't write down the, the, <laughs> the answer. No, I have the answer. <laughs> I don't know the answer. It's okay. So. That's why she was asking us. She <laughs> right. <know> <laughs> That's why it I'm is, a bad athlete. You're close. There, there are just over like 330 million people. So this is as of 2020. Right. So there were about, well, okay. I want to cite my source. Sorry. Datacommons.org tells us that in 2020, there were about 164 million men in the United States. Okay. So the CDC states that one in three men experience sexual or contact sexual violence physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner during their lifetime. That is roughly 54 million men. It's a lot of people. It's yeah. a lot of men. Um, and 56% of those 54 million men experience this before the age of 25. Yikes. Um, about one in 17 men in the U.S. were victims of stalking at some point in their lifetime, and that is over 9.5 million. And 41% of the that 9.5 million um, experienced stalking before the age of 25. So I'm going to put this out there right at the top. Um, if you or anyone you know is experiencing abuse, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-766-7233 or you can text START to 88788. There's also um, helpguide.org, which seems to be a pretty decent resource. Resorts. So, yeah. Thanks for including that. Right yeah, at the you're beginning. welcome. 
at the top. Okay. Um, so this episode was actually chosen, researched, and predominantly written by my girl, Angela Slayball. So thanks, Ange. You guys have never met her. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll bring her in sometime. The sources Angie used were a documentary on the Criminology Documentaries YouTube page. Another documentary on the Stolen From Me True Crime YouTube page. An article for BBC News on BBC.com. I could not find the author, but the article is titled Domestic Abuse Husband Let Down Before His Murder. So I don't know. I went on the website and it was I. I don't know if they do it differently on there. I don't know. I couldn't find it because usually it's right at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was an article for the Daily Mail UK by Matt Hunter. <clears throat> so David Edwards' story is like many dealing with physical abuse. It started off slow with only a few hits and things here and there always getting promised it will never happen again and then it does again and again until the abuser gets comfortable knowing that they will be able to get away with it knowing their victim won't fight back these situations once taken this far can and in david's case did end not only in bloodshed but murder david was a wonderful person even his ex-wife calls him cheeky Friends and coworkers said David was fun to be around and he loved to laugh. He would always come into work with a smile knowing that he was doing what he loved. It all started... I'm going to tell you what he does. Okay, thank you. He's like, what is that? What does that mean? Did I miss it? No. (laughs) So it all started when David met Debbie. They were both having a fun night out at a local club Uh, When they met, they instantly clicked. Debbie finally remembers how in love they were. So, so much that they could barely stand to be apart. David was a popular criminal lawyer who was highly respected. Debbie would even go to the... the, Oh, my God. The what? She would go to the what? (laughs) I almost said a whorehouse. Jesus Christ. Hey, we all have jobs. Don't don't judge. The abattoir. That's a, that's a butcher. That's not a whorehouse. It just sounds like a whorehouse. Abattoir. Okay. Sorry. Focus. <clears throat> Debbie would even go to the courthouse to watch him work because she was so entranced by him. Everyone could tell David loved what he was doing and he was quite good at it. It doesn't say like how long he had been a lawyer, so I'm not really sure. When Debbie found out she was pregnant, she knew she had to tell David right away. She tells reporters he was, quote, over the moon when he found out. He had always wanted a baby, and now the day had finally come. He made sure Debbie had everything she wanted and needed. He would even cook the meals, went to all the birthing classes, went to checkups, scans. Anywhere Debbie had to be, David was always right beside her. When their baby did arrive and David held her for the first time, there were tears running down his face. So just a great, supportive man great man love to see it right and none of that changed when their child came he was a very involved father even with his demanding job when debbie was still in the hospital he would come in and help with all of the night feeds and change diapers and made sure debbie was comfortable and had everything that she needed 
Although they fell in love fast, it doesn't say how long they were together before she got pregnant. So it's like maybe the night that they met, like they she got knocked up. It seemed like it was pretty fast. So anyway, although they fell in love fast, their decline was sort of slow. So they did have a few good years, but around the time Mahala, their daughter, was five, they just didn't have the same love for each other anymore. So it wasn't any kind of like nasty breakup where they couldn't stand each other. It was more just like falling out of love. Mm -hmm. So they still remained friends and Debbie would even frequently cook for him or like do his laundry, stuff like that. Um, Even apart, they still wanted to make sure that their daughters saw them together and like being civil with each other, even though they like thought about getting back together because they were getting along so well they decided against it like this is what's working you know yeah i feel very strongly about having a healthy relationship with your kids other parent i think that's really important yeah you don't have to like respect each other but i mean there's just no reason to like bad mouth the other parent in front of your child or you know they're gonna see the reality as they age so mm-hmm. like let them decide how they feel when they're old enough to understand I hate seeing, like, parents bad-mouthing. Oh, yeah. It's inappropriate. Yeah. So it was about seven months after he and Debbie split that David started dating a woman named Sharon. So it's kind of darkly ironic how they met. Um, David was representing Sharon's ex-husband, John Pritchard, in a court case. So or I don't know if they were married. Ex-partner. Um Pritchard was on trial accused of assaulting Sharon. So David proved that there was no violence on his part and got Pritchard off with no charges. So now with criminal defense lawyers, just because they don't or just because they win doesn't mean that like their client was innocent. We all know that or that this accuser was lying. But I'm assuming he thought his client was innocent because it would be really odd that he would be interested in Sharon. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Or sorry, he thought his client was guilty. Like what it's, that's a confusing situation for me. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of a conflict of interest there. Right. Kind of weird. So Sharon was very impressed by the way he worked the courtroom and soon requested his help on a dispute against her neighbor. So she's like, you beat me so bad in court. Like, I want you to represent me this time. Yeah. So um, after he represented her, they didn't have any interaction for actually a few years. It was only after David came across her profile on Facebook and he just was like oh like i know her so he sent her a friend request she accepted that's weird that's weird dude you know how many friend requests i have in my queue it's just like random people that i don't talk to i'm like why why do you want to yeah but knowing that this was your past client and like i don't know that's weird right well i mean he probably obviously was like attracted to her or something yeah there had to be yeah yeah so Center for a request. Uh, when she accepted, they began chatting, and it wasn't long before they began dating, and Sharon quickly moved into David's home. With his success, David was quite wealthy, which meant that his house was pretty nice, and he was able to afford the finer things in life, and Sharon was obviously a fan of that. Um, they weren't together very long before the abuse started. David's first known injury was a broken collarbone. Whoa. Yeah. Whenever someone asked, he would always say, 
I had fallen down the stairs. It was the first time anything like that had happened, so no one really questioned it. Um, they had no reason to believe that Sharon and David, or no reason not to believe that Sharon and David were happy. Because of Debbie and David, <laughs> mm, I keep Debbie saying and Debbie David. and David. <laughs> because of Debbie and David sharing custody, Sharon and Debbie were going to meet eventually. So let's talk about that. Because it's kind of weird. And, and kind of, it's a little confusing. Work, work through this with me. So David was to pick up Mahala from Debbie. Okay. And take her to a party. I think Mahala was going to go to the party with David and Sharon. Because at first I was like, okay, it's probably like a sleepover or something. But I think that it was like like a, a party for everyone. Okay. Like a barbecue maybe or okay. something. You know what I mean? Okay. So I don't think it was like they were going to drop her off at like a little kid's house. It was like a family thing. Okay. But I'm not positive. So anyway... When he showed up to pick up Mahala from Debbie, Debbie realized that David was drunk. So she told him that there was absolutely no way he was going to take their daughter, obviously. Um, he needed to go home and sober up or go anywhere that was... Just get away. Get away. Yes, exactly. Um, if he wanted to see Mahala, then he could come back another day. David returned home without his daughter and Sharon was fucking pissed. So when Debbie got off of work, she was greeted by an angry Sharon pounding on her door trying to get Mahala out of the house. Icky. She then knew that both of them had been drinking since the early hours of the morning. She told Sharon that they were not taking you're like you're not taking her. It's stupid. Yeah. And asked why they were drinking so early in the day. Um, they had a massive argument and eventually Sharon left. This was obviously very concerning to Debbie. And I found it weird at first, but that he would even attempt to pick up his daughter after drinking. Yeah. But, like, abuse, man. Makes you do it, weird things. It seriously does. Like, the only thing in your life that matters is that your abuser is satisfied. Yep. Nothing else matters. It's fucking weird. So, even though they're never satisfied for very long. Despite Debbie's incredible disliking for Sharon, she still desired for her daughter to have a relationship with David, which meant also spending time with Sharon. Even after that first encounter, Debbie and Sharon had managed to make up and ended up on good terms with one another. This being evident in an interview, Debbie provided where she stated that it was okay that Mahala spending the night with Sharon and David. So she stated that Sharon was good with Mahala and she enjoyed being at their house, which that's common too. Abusers tend to be outgoing and well-liked. They're careful not to show that side to anybody except the person that they abuse. Oh, yeah. Really. Um, so over time, <clears throat> things progressively worsened for David and more significant scratches and bruises were visible. He became so tired from endless torment that he couldn't even keep up with like the countless excuses that he was coming up with to cover. In an interview with one of David's coworkers, uh, coworkers, friends, you know, um, he describes one of those conversations he had with David. He explains that David had come into work that day with scratches on his eye. Um, when the coworker asked what happened, David responded by saying that his cat had scratched him or a cat had scratched him. When the coworker asked about his ear that was bleeding and his glasses being bent, David responded dis 
responded dismissively like, oh, well, I fell over. The coworker picked up on the inconsistency, inconsistency and then asked him, like, why did you just tell me that your cat scratched you and now it's now you fell down? Yeah. So this muddling of alibis led to the same coworker of expecting like something super like worse. Yeah. Not not super bad, sorry. So like <clears throat> I mean, we all know if you see something, say something. But abuse is a little bit different. So like subtle hints of understanding and care, I think in that kind of a situation can go a long way. I think a lot of times like yeah, people have their friends and families, but an acquaintance from work or a work friend can provide a safe safe space for an abuse victim like outside of their regular circle. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like call the police because you never really know what's going on. But I mean, if that person doesn't need that safe space, then what they think you're nosy or nice. Yeah. Like seems like worth the risk. So anyway, sorry, that's my tangent. When Father's Day came around, Mahela had planned to spend the day with her dad. She was six now and was excitedly waiting for him to pick her up. As she waited, Debbie received a call from David. He told her that he would not be able to pick up Mahela that day. And when asked, he failed to come up with a viable excuse. Debbie was furious, obviously. He had never canceled on their daughter last minute like this. Something was up. So Debbie decided to drive over to David's house to confront him and demand the real reason for his cancellation. Which I think she knew something was going on at this point. Yeah. Because that's a little aggressive. Like, calm down, lady. Like, you know what I mean? Well, and they had been together. You know, they were married. They had right. a child together. She knows. They were together for like six years. Yeah. Yeah. They know, she knows his behaviors and, and right. how he would, like, his personality. So <clears throat> when she got to the front door, she knocked hard and was met by an unsightly man who she barely could recognize. David had deep scratches down his face, two black eyes, cuts all over his lip, lips, and a handprint on his neck. She no longer needed any verbal explanation from him. She understood um, then that he did not want their daughter to see him like this. Debbie questioned whether Sharon was responsible, but once again, he denied he denied that she was responsible and gave another like lame excuse. Debbie knew it was a blatant lie. She had seen the scratches in the handprint. There were unmistakable signs of something worse than whatever excuse he came up with to tell her. Um, And even after this interaction, David remained with Sharon, obviously. Eventually, David did confide in a few coworkers. He would only tell them a few of the lesser horrible things that she did. Um, He told them that she would throw things at him like ashtrays and even like a gla- like an entire glass table once. I'm assuming Whoa. like a side table. Yes. Um, when he came to work with a huge cut across the bridge of his nose, they asked what she had done this time. And he said that she had hit him in the face with her phone. Whether, oh, sorry. Whenever they would ask if he'd called the police, he would quickly dismiss the question. He did not want to press any charges. 12 months into this rapid... Yeah, we're only 12 months in to their entire relationship together. So 12 months in, Sharon told David she wanted to get married. Of course she did. Yeah, she liked the idea of having the title of the lawyer's wife. Uh, Friends of David begged him not to go through with something that seemed so wrong, but he told them he had to. 
that if he doesn't, she will kill him. Whoa. Yeah. They went to one of the 24-hour chapels in Vegas, and no one wanted to be at the wedding. No one could bear watching him do this. Um, Even on what is supposed to be the happiest day of their lives, once again, Sharon lost her temper. She threw her phone at his face, and it hit him straight into the corner of his eye, (sighs) giving him a noticeable black eye in the wedding photos. Um, Sharon did use makeup to try and cover it up, but if you look closely, it is still visible. And I did include some wedding photos, um, from the Daily Mail UK on our Facebook page. So, surprise, surprise, uh, Sharon became even worse after the wedding. Um, she didn't want David and Debbie to speak to each other directly at all anymore. She wanted everything said to each other to go directly through her. So, This is obviously ridiculous. Yeah. Um, So after some time, Debbie was allowed to talk to David, like, physically, but only while Sharon was present. Um, Isolation, again, another key tool used by abusers. Then they can control the narrative at all times. Mm -hmm. So David had become a shell of the man that his friends and family knew and loved. He had lost a ton of weight due to stress. Um, He was always trembling. He had lost all of his confidence and personality that made him who he was. He began not showing up for work, work that he so dearly loved and drove him to be such a respected person. And when he did not show up, or sorry, and when he did show up, he would be bruised and smell of alcohol. David was not safe anywhere. When he was somewhere without her, she would show up randomly, like even at work. Um, so he was always on edge. She would come into his work and scream at him and belittle him in front of everyone. Witnesses say that she called one time. She called one time. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. Witnesses say she called one time screaming at him, asking him, what kind of fucking man are you? Gross. Sorry. That seems super weird. I was laughing through that. That was not why I was laughing obviously it's so late oh my god it's so late (laughs) brain no work you no more okay when she came into his work and he wasn't around she would go absolutely crazy screaming at people asking him asking them where he went they would tell her that he was in court and she didn't believe them she thought everybody was lying to her oh my god yes yes which again very common I feel like you know, two weeks ago, you covered a story mm-hmm. about a man named Dave with fucking a crazy woman. And now mm-hmm. here you are again. Save the, the Daves. Save the Daves. <gasps> Hashtag save the Daves. Okay. So at this point, Debbie had had enough. She knew that David and Sharon's house was not safe anymore. Not that Sharon had ever actually harmed Mahela. But the environment was just toxic, including the constant drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, Debbie had to break the news to David that she knew would break his heart. He, When she finally got a moment alone with him, she told him um, if he wanted to see his daughter, he needed to come alone. Who knew when her violence would stray from David to his young daughter? I don't know if Mahala did witness any of the violence toward her father, But I'm assuming she was in the house when it happened. The house was, it was a nice large house, so it could have been very likely that she was in a different room or, you know, but you still hear things, even in big houses. Or see the scratches and bruises. Exactly. So You just know. So Sharon's daughter 
did, however, witness some of the abuse. She even called the police on her mother one night when she saw her punch David into a wall. Whoa. When police came, David denied these claims, and when they interviewed Sharon, she told them more than once that, my husband's a lawyer, which partially seemed like she was threatening them, like a power play. Like, yeah. you have, like I, he's a lawyer. What are you going to do? <clears throat> he is the law. He is the law. So a few weeks later, Debbie got a devastating call from David telling her that he misses Mahala and saying, I quote, I can't handle it anymore. I'm living in hell. She begged and pleaded with him to leave Sharon, warning him that it's only going to get worse. She's going to kill him. But when she said that, the phone went silent. Oh, shit. Quote, I can't, he told her. And that was the last conversation that Debbie and David had. After um, David and Sharon returned from a trip to Spain, Sharon's 19-year-old daughter found David calling for help and cleaning up blood from his chest in the bathroom. She told the jury that, this, the daughter, told the jury that he appeared to be bleeding from his chest and his leg. He would not tell her what caused the injuries. When she confronted her mother, Sharon told her that she put a knife to his chest, but she didn't intend to hurt him. What, what, what are you intending <clears throat> to do with a knife to the chest? Threaten. Threaten. Despite the condition he was in, the couple went out to the pub that night. Oh. People began coming up to David and asking him what had happened and if he needed help. David gave some excuse I'm sure nobody fucking believed. And Sharon continued drinking slowly, showing no concern for her bleeding, literal bleeding husband. Isn't that weird? That's so weird. It almost feels like that's not true. Like that they went to the pub. That's how weird that is. Yeah. I mean, literally, he's like bleeding. Yeah. He didn't go to the hospital or anything. Well, alcohol makes that even worse yet mm-hmm. because it thins, thins the blood. Thins your yeah. blood out, yeah. So, okay. As the night went on, a police body cam captured footage of the pair on the street. Um, said body cam footage had begun with a policewoman who went to them concerned after catching a glimpse of Sharon ragging him around the neck. This is a quote, sorry. Ragging him around the neck and threatening to fucking kill him, end quote, as described by the officer in court. When she got to them, both were quite obviously intoxicated, and Sharon became immediately verbally aggressive when questioned about the assault and threats. The officer told Sharon that she would need to wait in the cop car while they talked with David. David asked Sharon to please listen to the woman, and Sharon started pointing at him and walking away, saying, seriously? Seriously, <clears throat> she tried to follow this up with quickly with threats towards David, like moving towards him again. Uh, but the police officer stepped in, turning her away. Sharon was screaming at this point, telling the policewoman not to touch her. Police interviewed David and he denied Sharon hurt him. Explaining his many bruises and cuts uh, with more worn out excuses. While he's lying through his teeth to defend her, Sharon is making fun of the excuses that he's using with police and called him an idiot. Oh, my God. If just that night he had mustered up the courage just to tell them the truth of what was really going on, he may be here right now, able to tell his story himself. If only he had told the police what he told Debbie, that he was living in hell and he did not think that there was a way out. 
Police drove them home after interviewing David. On the ride home, Sharon completely flipped the script and was an absolute delight to the police officer. Even when, sorry, even though she would at least once on the ride home go completely dark again, turn to David and say, I don't know what mood I'm going to wake up in. Isn't that the scariest, saddest fucking thing ever? So stepping out of the police car, the body cam picked up the audio of her repeating what she said when they first found them in the street. I'm going to kill you. This was 18 hours before David was found dead. David Edwards was found dead in his bed on August 23rd, 2015 at the age of 51. A neighbor had heard Sharon screaming and crying outside of her house. So she went to see if Sharon was okay. She was screaming, David's not breathing. He's not breathing. The neighbor quickly called the ambulance from Sharon's phone, and when the police and ambulance arrived, they found David lying in a blood-stained bed. He sustained a wound to the chest eight centimeters deep, which uh, was the ultimate cause of death. Sharon's chosen weapon was a 13-inch knife that was found bloodied in the kitchen. When they examined him, he had quote, 60 external injuries, of which 30 were incised or prod wounds, including stab wounds to his thigh, knee, fingers, and a shallow wound to his scalp. Holy shit. Yes. The fatal wound had barely nicked his heart, leading pathologists to believe that his death was very slow and very painful. Oh, God. I know. I almost didn't put that in, but it's like, this is the reality of the situation. Yeah. They think within the time, uh, within this time, Sharon was trying to figure out what she was going to do. Like, is she, am I going to clean up and get rid of the body or just play innocent? Um, so the stabbing happened in the kitchen, but the kitchen was relatively clean, which was weird because the rest of the house was pretty disheveled. Um, police believe there was some kind of cleanup done before they got there. Um, throughout the house, they found multiple signs of heavy drinking as well. Police arrested Sharon on the spot for suspicion of the murder. Uh, Questioning her was a task within itself. First, she refused to accept that her husband was even dead, screaming that she wanted to talk to him. Uh, Then she refused any kind of culpability. Her story goes something like this. She and David were having an argument about some child tax credit. They were yelling and ripping up wedding photographs when David grabbed a knife to arm himself. Sharon struggled to get away from him, but somehow managed or to get it away from him, but somehow managed to grab it. At that point, David walked into the knife, puncturing it. Of course he did. Yeah, puncturing himself with the knife. She also told the told them that when it had happened, David told her not to call an ambulance. But then in another version of the story, she said that she didn't even know he had been stabbed, that they had sex and then she fell asleep on the couch. When she woke up, she found David dead. In the bed. In the bed. Sure, Sharon. I really hate saying dead in the bed. Yeah, it's not a. It's not. It's 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 not good. Anyway, okay. So <clears throat> the police were not convinced of this ever changing story. Obviously, um, for the knife to have gone through his chest, it would have had to have some kind of force behind it. Um, Police believe that she was enraged, um, that David had recently lost his job, probably because she fucking walked in there all belligerent, yelling and screaming. Mm -hmm. Um, 
they would go on lots of vacations. He'd buy her really nice things. She'd kind of grow accustomed to that life. You know, that was probably a scary prospect for her. In the end, um, a final piece of evidence reached the surface. So the prosecutors obtained a voice recording of David talking to Sharon about the excuses that he was coming up with to cover for the bruises. It was recorded on his phone and it goes as follows. We are going to have to refine my excuse for my eye. You know the garage door that we made up that doesn't wash. I've just told Chris and he's not having it. You said to me I'd like to think I can punch you. Sorry. You said to me I'd like to think that I can punch you and knock you out in a single punch. Well, I've told you, you do punch rather hard, Sharon. End quote. In the recording, he tries to make light, um, make light of it as to not anger her. This was a piece of evidence that proved the abuse David had been dealing with every day. I'm sure there's more to the recording. That's just mm-hmm. what. Um, <clears throat> they say that it was recorded on accident. I like to think David he knew. knew what he was doing when he accidentally left his phone on record. Kind of is like his first and final pushing back against like the yeah. abuse. You know, so due to the critical condition Sharon would put him in, David would have to go see doctors for his injuries. Doctors failed to raise any concerns. David had even told a paramedic about what was happening, but the paramedic failed to report it to his managers, so nothing was done. David did reach for a lifeline more than once, but was overlooked, probably lowering his confidence in telling others about it or trying to get out again. Pay attention, people. It is very hard for abusers experiencing long-term abuse to even hint at what's going on, let alone outright tell someone what's happening. Mm-hmm. That little spark of bravery needs to be immediately acknowledged and within reason acted upon. Yeah. Within reason. Um, as it that spark will burn out in the blink of an eye and they'll go right back into the dark hole. So who knows how long he would have suffered you know, through life with Sharon, watching his every move, hurting him for years and years to come. She masterfully broke down the man that David was, the fun and kind person his friends and family and even clients knew and cared for. He was replaced with an alcoholic, anxiety-ridden man. And the saddest part is that, this is so fucked up, I probably shouldn't even read this, but I'm going to. Saddest part is that his death actually, like, freed him from his hell yeah he was afraid in his own home he never got to relax so it was almost like a blessing yeah in the end so yeah i apologize for the bleakness but like this soul story is so heart-wrenching it it i did write a softer ending i decided i didn't want to try to round it out to me i feel like the retelling needed to end sad and harsh because it's just the reality of of the story yeah so sometimes things are meant to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So they don't happen. <clears throat> so yeah, um she's she was found guilty and she's in prison and good. That's that's such a sad story. Well, I looked at pictures during your story cuz I always like to put a face. Right, 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 right. And like they showed the wedding pictures and he's just like slumped yeah, over. Yeah, I want to like look at it. I know his posture. He just looks so, so defeated. And she's not a very big woman. I mean, 
maybe that's it was probably very embarrassing to be like my I feel like right as a man it's probably embarrassing to be like this woman's beating the shit out of me for some people especially when she's not very big like right. you're less of a man because you're allowing this woman right to. and like it's not like he's like a big beefy guy I mean he was kind of like you're tall gangly and gangly and yeah. yeah yeah um not only that, he probably did see the good parts of her and wanted pr- to protect those. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something that enticed him into wanting to be with her. It wasn't like they started the relationship off with him getting his, you know, shit rattled by her ever. It's just uh, so devastating. Yeah. So. Well, I think that there's, a, I mean, I guess I don't understand why he didn't ever just reach out and why he, well i mean i know he reached yeah, out for some lifelines but at some point you know what you're saying is, is there there probably was a good side to her and there was things that he cared about yeah but they the probably same, had fun together yeah, and, but at yeah. the same time i mean if you are just beaten and battered and completely torn up i mean you gotta you gotta say win sometime yeah right and you know it's, it's hard to do when you were talking about her story about what happened, maybe he, maybe that might be a little bit of truth in that. Maybe he did. She was holding a knife, and he just said, "I'm over. The, I can't do this anymore." Yeah. And he plunged himself into it. Well, yeah. That I mean, I'm be. not saying that's what but happened. I mean, I'm she just told saying, like three different stories. Yeah, I know, so, I know. But, but yeah. When you were saying that part, I'm like, I could see why you would just finish it off. Right. Yeah. There's like a pattern to it. Um, there's a pattern of. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Right. They it's put you on this pedestal. Masterful. It yes. is. Yes. It's orchestrated. Yeah. Yes. You're wonderful. You're the best. I've never felt anything like that. you're a goddess. You're this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And then you start like, they're wonderful. I believe what they say. Right. I trust and them. And you think they see you like that. Yes. And then you, they start breaking you down, breaking, breaking down your walls, and breaking you down your self esteem. You get back up to that. You're one like, spot. yeah. Oh, I'm the problem. I'm the one right, that, right. and then that that psychological abuse turns into physical abuse, and it's like I not that you necessarily have these thoughts, but it's kind of a well, I deserved that. Like I shouldn't have upset them. Seriously, that was, or in, they're just they're that's the how they're feeling, mm-hmm. or you know, they had it, a bad day, or like um, I I shouldn't have asked the question in that way. I should I should have worded that differently. Or yes, they just lost you, their temper. Uh, it's not you a big over-analyze. deal. Analyze it's well, and I think with men once again in societal standards, mm-hmm. men aren't supposed to be abused by people. They're supposed to be tough. How embarrassing to go to police or mm-hmm. anybody else and be like, "Help me!" It's not. You know, that makes you look like less of a man or right. a, a sissy or whatever. Right, and are you going to even be believed if, if you go, like, to police? Obviously, in his situation, I think that he had enough backing him. He mm-hmm. would have been believed. Well, but. look, the paramedic didn't even report it. Like, right, or the doctors. I mean, Oh, he's just mad he's trying to get her arrested. Like, whatever else. Exactly, exactly. And you go to cops and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, your wife's abusing you. And okay. it's easy to go back to those people that have abused you because you're like, I do miss them. I do love them. You it's, think it's, about the good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, they give you dopamine hits. And yeah. You Stockholm remember syndrome. that. Yeah. Yeah. It is like a lot like Stockholm syndrome. The fucked up part is I think she only got like 20 years. I Yikes. don't even think she got, which is so fucked up. All I got to say is, is if they are physically, mentally, emotionally, 
or any other kind of abuse even once, even one time, they are capable of it forever. I will stand by that Mm -hmm. until the day I die. There's, if they're capable of doing it one time, they're capable of doing it forever. I think a lot of times, too, it's learned behavior. They don't even realize what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, not necessarily physical abuse. Obviously, you know that. But emotional abuse is, it's harder to pinpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So they they don't even, probably don't even know they're doing it half the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's more calculated, right? Well, it's it's learned behavior. If someone is, if you're raised by manipulative people who treat each other in a certain way, so you think you're supposed to treat people. It's how your brain develops. It's right. how you know, you know. So you don't realize you're necessarily doing anything wrong. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. Nature, nature. <sighs> so yeah, sad day. It's a heavy case, Ash. I know. It's been a heavy, a heavy recording sesh. Yeah. And it's just going to keep getting heavier, guys. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, any other, anything you guys want to, no, okay, let's, let's do this. Um, so, yeah, uh, hit us up on socials. We want to hear from you guys. We want to know what you think. Um, Google Murd Nerds. I say that every time. Just Google us. No, and click on something. Goog. Give it a goog. And click on, we have Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. We don't have OnlyFans. I'm sorry. That was a lie. I lied about that two weeks ago. Um, but we do have Instagram. You can hit us up on there. Um, you can email us at murdernerds at gmail.com. And as always, subscribe, rate, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you can. Um, Spotify, Apple, and Facebook are all good, viable options for those things. Um, also, if you're a Spotify listener, you can let us know what... I know, I know it's so bad. You can let us know what you think about each individual episode. Um, so do that, too, if you want. Um, mm, Even if you don't want, do it anyway. Just fucking do it! <laughs> God damn it, do it! Just being a little abusive. Also, share our shit on socials! Help our community grow. Let's do this, guys. We're in we're in this together. We're all in this together. If you have some spare change, there is a link in the show notes where you can give ninety-nine cents. Four hundred and ninety-nine. <laughs> I really like that. And nine hundred and ninety-nine. Here, or, hold I'm on. sorry, not and or. Let's brainstorm some places that they could find spare change. The couch. Um, the cup holder in your car. <laughs> your kid's piggy bank. <laughs> oh, my God. We'll take it. <laughs> Do it. Take it. Um, Open up your washing machine. Oh, dryer. yeah. The the thing. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. I've yeah. heard people find lots of money in there. The Look in your winter thing. coat that you wore last year. Or mm-hmm. the jean jacket from uh, over the spring. Yeah. Jeremy? Go to... Go to, I mean, just walk. You just, I found a quarter. <laughs> I found a quarter on the ground just the other day. You know how much, how many quarters are at Aldi right now inside all those carts? You could go take. There sometimes there's um, people that sit and just offer in the parking lot to walk carts back just to keep the quarters. I mean, they're doing a job. They're getting right. Paid. I'm like, oh my god! By all means, please take this back all the way to the store because I'm parked in the fucking back of the parking lot. <laughs> you can keep the damn quarter. Here's another quarter, please. So, okay, now we're going off on a tangent. (laughs) 
any other places for cheap. Yeah, the homeless guy at the, the in, in Cleveland the in front of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, he's blind. He has a cup. Just take it out of the cup. <laughs> oh, Jeremy. Lord. Always got to take it to the next level, Jay. Got to make it interesting. Okay, and don't forget to check out the other podcasts in the Golden Mojo family of podcasts. I like talking like that. Um, We've got, let's see. Okay, I'm going to do this in order. Are you ready? I don't have this written down. This is my one I read two weeks ago about the Spice Girls. So watch me wing this. Um, Monday is The Call Guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. I need. I need a reassurance. You guys have to oh, tell okay. me. Okay. Okay. So Monday's the call, guys. Pop culture, movies, fun stuff. Gunner, Colton, listen to it. Vanilla um, Thunder. Yep. That too. Chico Noise. Um. On Tuesday, it is Golden Image. Golden Image. Looking pie. behind you won't help with that one. Well, you're right. I know it's, it's not Mojo. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, they go do things, so you'll want to go do things. They'll tell you about the things and how much they liked the things or didn't like the things at the places that they go. It's almost always they like the things. Yeah. Very they rarely. Go to, they pick good things. Yeah. You okay. need to pick somewhere that you know is bad, so you get like the play place at McDonald's and talk about how awful it is. <laughs> We're here to support and up, uplift local business, Alicia. Uh, yeah, down with... Oh, down with McDonald's. They're the man. Down with the man, up with the... Woman. Local man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, wait. What day am I on? Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday is the United States of Paranormal. All your spooky, spooky stuff. So if you like spooky stuff, if you don't live alone, if you're not a single female living alone, you can listen to that. I can't. Um, so then we also have the Indiana Chiefs fans on Thursdays. That's for sports. <laughs> With balls and things. Really sports, you can listen to that one. It's good. Um, and then Friday is a double feature now, isn't it? Are yes, they dropping Fridays? Yeah. Yes, they are. Double so, feature Friday. Uh, it'll be a double feature Every other Friday because yes. they're doing bi-weekly. So we've got um, a court of books and booze. So they drop Friday on Fridays just like Murd Nerds, but they will be bi-weekly. So, yeah, they're going to be um, going through. They're doing a Throne of Glass right now, right? Currently, yes. Currently they're doing Throne of Glass. So that's an eight-book series um, that uh, we are going to dive into here soon, Alicia and I. I think I'm going to read it. And listen as I read. I think that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I, I know people who really like to do that. I know. I'm going to do that. So I'm you not. have 16 weeks to finish eight books. Are they, they really... going through the entire book in one episode? Uh, isn't that? Yeah, they're, they're doing eight book in episode. Each up, yeah. Oh, uh, they're called okay. chapters, not episodes. I'm sorry. Yes, the chapters. A book of chapter. Okay, anyway, so check that shit out. Um, Good shit. Yeah, it's good shit. It's all good shit. Good soup. Good soup. I don't even like sports that much, and I like the Indiana Chiefs fans. I'm just That's because we're entertaining. You guys are funny. Yeah, it works. It totes works. Um, and, you know, we get to talk about Travis Kelsey. If I had a man crush, you mean, that would be Travis Kelsey. Don't say if. You do have a man crush on him, obviously. Okay, I might have a little man crush on <laughs> Travis the Kelsey. The way you're rubbing up on your mic right <laughs> now, it's not him. Call oh, now. Trav. <laughs> Oh, Trav. They have a new nickname for him? What? No. Uh, what? 
Okay. He is a good-looking man. Have you ever seen pictures of Travis Kelsey? No, I'm no, going to look him up, up right now. What's his name? Travis, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is a good-looking man. Is uh, he an American musician? Nope, he's a football player. He's a football player. Uh, we actually did, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we had... Um, Almost Ooh. Andy Reid on. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a good-looking dude, isn't he? Yeah. What up, Trav? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Episode 28 oh, wait, with almost know? Andy Reid, who is... Uh, it was an amazing interview. We had such a great time with him. If you, if you don't listen to anything else, go listen to that one. It was, it was so great. He was a... Andy Reid is the head coach of the Kansas City mm-hmm. Chiefs, yes. and this guy... Is an impersonator. Goes to all the games. He's he's that a, is he's so awesome. fucking He looks funny. exactly like him. It's startling. Yeah, it's startling how identical. That'd be such a fun thing to do. Like I see those troll videos, like on TikTok, where like a guy will put on glasses that looks like Pitbull and he'll like walk into a Pitbull concert. And like I think there's one other one that I wish I looked it. like really close to a celebrity. Yeah, it'd be so that. funny. I would to love do. to be an impersonator, like a Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. I lo- I love Dolly Parton. I, I love up- Dolly Parton too, honestly. I really do. I love her. I was looking up old pictures of her. She, oh God, Babe. she's so gorgeous. Oh my God, so pretty. Well, she really maintained well. I mean, I know she's had work done, but I was gonna say she had a lot of fucking help yeah, with that. She, yeah, but she, she I mean, was so pretty. She didn't. I'm not saying she's not pretty now. I'm just saying like she doesn't look the same because she's had work done. So I didn't realize when I looked at pictures of her when she was younger. I was like, oh my God, like, right. wow, yeah. Good people, when you're good, when you're a good person in the world, you age gracefully. Mm-hmm. That's what I've learned. She gorgeous. Voila. <laughs> Money helps, but. <laughs> um. Okay, I think that's enough uh, raving and ranting for today about everything. All right. If you so, haven't been, if, sorry, if you haven't been told today. Suck it. Nope. Colton. <laughs> <laughs> suck it, Colton. Um, I want to say a nice thing about somebody. Um, if you haven't been told today, I really like the way that you clean up your area before you leave work. That's really nice of you to do. Yeah, that's really you know respectful. who you are. That's really respectful to all your uh, fellow coworkers. Yes, it is. That's all I have. You can say more nice things. That's um, the only one I can think of. You, did you clean your shoes? They look so nice. Fresh kicks, bro. Yeah, I dig it. You really care about yourself and. You know, you're showing how you feel on the inside. Yeah, on the outside. Did you give a a Birth? stray cat oh. a? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll shut up. I'll leave for this. I'm gonna say a stray cat a scratchy. That was very selfless of you. Well, maybe a little selfish. Risky you to... and dangerous is what it sounds like. <laughs> Don't do that. Aw, did you finally take a shower this week? We really appreciate that, <laughs> and you look good for you today. <laughs> Did you put deodorant on? Nope. Thank God, because when we give high fives, just a waft. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta stop. We love you guys. (sighs) Anyway, we love you, and you're doing great, and keep it up, friend. Mm, Go friends. Go friends. Bye. Bye -bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.